0: are Locked On Trailblazers, your daily Portland Trailblazers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to a November 12th, Monday edition of the Locked On Blazers podcast. I'm your host, Eric Garcia Gunderson. Editor and writer for LeBron Wire, part of USA Today's NBA Wire Sites, former Blazer Beat writer at the Vancouver Columbia, and also a writer at the Associated Press, and your host here for Locked On Blazers. Welcome back to the show. It is a Monday, and your Portland Trailblazers are 10 and 3 on the season. After knocking off the boston celtics last night at home 194 withstanding a strong second half comeback from the celtics but portland was able to do it with a a group effort not one person on the blazers scoring over 20 points in this game but nevertheless they were they were able to get a win over uh the best defense in the league they got over 100 on the best defense in the league and uh, even though they didn't have that great of a second half, they closed it out when they needed to, made big plays when they needed to. Al Aminu with two huge three-pointers in the last couple of minutes, including one from the Moda Center logo, which was insane. Uh, and I was not sure about what was happening when that was about to go in. And then it was like, oh, my God, everything's great. It was, it was, it was one of those. Uh, and... After the game, Aminu uh, talked to reporters. I guess he's been king of the court at uh, the Blazers practice facility for the last two weeks. So uh, he's obviously been feeling very good about his jumper. And it showed last night against the Celtics. And you know, down the stretch of that game, Portland went with a lineup of Dame, CJ, Nurkic, Aminu, and Evan Turner, which has kind of been their finishing lineup uh, over this stretch of the season so far. And they were kind of daring Turner and Aminu to shoot. And and Portland's guards, their playmakers, trusted their teammates. Damian Lillard and CJ McCollum trusting Al Farouk Aminu to hit those shots. Trusting Yusuf Nurkic to make a hook shot in the lane over Jalen Brown. Those little plays, you know, a lot of people... Don't think that those things matter, but they do. And uh, last night, it, it was Portland Stars really trusting their teammates and the teammates making them look good on that trust. Uh, and Portland, it's not like they had a great offensive game either. CJ McCollum was 6 of 15, Damian Lillard, a slightly better game, 7 of 15. Evan Turner was 2 of 8. But Seth Curry had one of his better games this season, had three three-pointers in, 19, in almost 20 minutes of action, uh, uh, finally getting shots to go. I think Curry has been playing well. He just hasn't... He hadn't made shots really up to the level that he has in his career until last night. He was three of four from three and and really helped things. And Myers Leonard also with another productive game, 8.6 rebounds. And Zach Collins continues to be very solid with eight rebounds, including five on the offensive end and six points. Obviously, as I mentioned, it was the starting group, though, that closed that game out and helped stave off a a really strong effort from the Boston Celtics in this game. The Celtics never led, however. Portland had a lead as high as 21 in the first half. They were really dominating, and it looked like they were about to run away with the game. And something really weird happened at halftime where the Celtics came out of the half, and they said that their that their basket that they were shooting on was a jar and so they had to remeasure the hoops and that created about a 10 to 15 minute delay in the game getting started again Which I think had a hand in kind of Slowing down Portland's rhythm which they really Had a nice offensive Flow going with both their starting Unit and their second units and and I think Boston did a really good job To disrupt that whether it was Gamesmanship or it was actually uh, A jar I can't Really say but you never know in these situations Especially in the NBA uh, Where teams you know it, it, there's, there's more to the game than just The game and Portland withstood a really strong night from Jason Tatum. He had 27 points and 8 rebounds and Al Horford luckily for Portland had a tough night as did Kyrie Irving. Horford was 4 of 14, Irving 9 of 24 and uh you know you look at the rest of the bench not great nights overall on the boston bench marcus smart uh had a pretty game pretty good game defensively but 0 for three terry rogier three of seven and it, it just was not a strong offensive night and and frankly that's kind of how it's been for the boston celtics this season they have been grinding games out on the defensive end with the best defense in the league but they have just not been able to find a consistent offensive flow they Got more shots up than the than the Blazers because Portland actually turned it over 21 times last night. But Portland was just better with the opportunities that they got than the Celtics were. And the Celtics continued to struggle offensively after the game. Uh, Kyrie Irving saying that they need more of a veteran presence to get them ready through the season and all this stuff. And meanwhile, Portland is... In a, in a very good place now at 10-3 and three on the season after the win and they actually are a game up on the Denver Nuggets who are currently in third after Denver lost at home last night to the Milwaukee Bucks. So Portland is now only one game behind the Golden State Warriors for first in the West, and Portland currently has the, they are tied with Milwaukee for the third best record in the league. So, a uh, very good place for Portland to be right now. Another victor, victory, it's their fourth straight win. That's the longest active win streak in the Western Conference. And it's going to be fun because on Wednesday, the other team that has the other best win streak in the Western Conference is going to be facing the Blazers and the LA Lakers. They are on a three-game win streak, and we'll talk about that at the end of the show, as we always do when we preview the next matchup. But I uh, really wanted to dig into just how great this Blazers team has been and taking advantage of uh, you know a, a Boston team that – is not all together right now. They're not all on the same page because they all really have to get to know each other. And and Portland again you, people might think it's cheap because they've had the, the the continuity every year, but guess what? It wins games and right now you look at the rest of the Western Conference, there's a lot of teams that had a lot of high expectations that would kill to be in Portland's position. I mean you look at Utah, they're six and six, New Orleans is six and six, Houston's five and seven. Minnesota, which the Jimmy Butler thing was hanging over them, which is that is now gone. Jimmy Butler is to in Minnesota. But you look at the Timberwolves and, and obviously they have two guys that are making max money in Carl Anthony Towns and Andrew Wiggins, uh, you know, they probably had more expectations than being four and nine through the first thirteen games. So you look at a lot of these teams that Portland was thought to be up against in this Western Conference race and still could be Right now they wish they could be where Portland is at this point because Portland is is winning games at an excellent rate right now and they are taking care of home court. They're playing good on both ends. And that is another thing that I really wanted to point out once again. The the Blazers offense is, is doing excellent and that has changed from last year to this year, where Portland's offense was really stagnant. They didn't have a lot of ball movement, that it was it was not really that fun to watch and even though Portland is still last in assist this year they just move the ball more there's more the shots are still ending up in Dame CJ's hands and they're often creating but there's more movement there's more commitment to the sets I mean they're really running those weave uh, handoffs at the top of the key and just really making you pay attention to everything And, and that's been great but Portland's defense is seventh right now in the league and they are one of the few teams in the league that has both a top ten offense and a top ten defense so far in this early season, and they're currently fourth in overall point differential. So, uh, and that's net rating for those of you that are keeping track. But I mean, Portland has has really outplayed expectations. I was I just tweeted earlier this morning. I'm really disappointed in myself that I didn't bet a future down payment on a home on the Blazers to win over 40 over 41 and a half games um I took it as a super lock in my over-unders picks with my friends uh but man that would have been a great bet I mean it's basically free money that Vegas is giving you um on the Blazers and right now they're, they're making it look like that with a 10-3 and record after 13 games so uh, Portland in a in a better place than I think anybody anticipated they would be at this point in the season at 10-3, and 3 also with some tough games on their schedule, an early road trip, and now they head back out on the road, uh, and we're also going to be awaiting a little bit more clarification on uh, Damian Lillard. He had a, a fall in the, the first quarter and said he, he hurt his knee a little bit. It wasn't like a structural thing. It just it was hurt. Um, and he said it was limiting him last night and he said it was going to he thinks it was going to it's going to be sore today Uh, we don't have any uh, clarity on what that means the Blazers should have a practice today I believe in Tualatin and we will probably have a clearer idea of what Dame's status is but uh, realistically they probably won't clarify that until tomorrow uh, when they have their getaway day to Los Angeles before they start a six-game road trip uh, with the Lakers. But we'll be watching out for what's going on with Dame. Obviously, if he doesn't play, that means C.J. McCollum is going to run a lot of the show instead. Evan Turner is going to run the show a little bit more. Probably see a little bit more Wade Baldwin on the floor for the Blazers. And I think that that uh, obviously would not be great, considering that Dame has been playing MVP-level ball. I said that the other day. On the the Friday podcast that he's been so good and and such a good leader that he really is deserving of MVP consideration, especially with how uh, some teams with other than really Milwaukee and Toronto and Golden State, you know, those three teams, they all have MVP candidates. But Portland is is really right there. And I think more so than any team the Blazers are the surprise of that group. I think a lot of people had high expectations for Milwaukee with Mike Budenholzer coming in there. People had lots of high expectations for the Raptors with Kawhi Leonard going there and swapping places with DeMar DeRozan. And I I really do think that Damian Lillard deserves a lot of credit for where Portland is right now. And uh, is definitely deserving right now of being the MVP uh, in this early season as Portland is 10 and three, Through the first 13 games, we're going to talk about some news in the league uh, in the Western Conference. How does that affect Portland? Should Portland touch Carmelo Anthony? Have we changed here on Lockdown Blazers podcast? Probably, but we'll uh, come back in a second to talk about some league news. And then we're going to talk about the Laker game on Wednesday in L.A. And we're back here on Locked On Blazers, here to talk about some of the league news that's going down. Uh, there was, It was kind of a busy weekend in the NBA, actually. And then I also wanted to highlight uh, some statistics from Yusuf Nurkic that I think kind of illustrate his improvement on the offensive end this year. But first, we're going to do this, some of this league roundup, uh, the first of which being Jimmy Butler has finally been traded. He is now a member of the Philly, Philadelphia 76ers. The trade was announced today on Monday. And... The Sixers sent Robert Covington, Dario Saric and a 2020 first or second round pick, excuse me to Minnesota for Jimmy and Butler now joins Joe Allen bead, Ben Simmons as a kind of a future big three over there in Philadelphia. But this is also really relevant to Portland because Portland plays the Timberwolves uh, on this road trip. Portland faced them without Butler last Sunday, but That was not really without Butler because Butler was there and it was kind of this drain on the team. And so while Butler being gone in a basketball sense makes the Timberwolves not as tough an opponent, I think you really can't discount the intangible um, freedom and joy and excitement that it will bring to this younger Wolves crew that they no longer have to deal with Jimmy. Uh, I think it was uh, you know, a real drag. Obviously, I don't think their season's really going to recover that much, but if it does recover, it's going to be because of Towns. It's going to be because of Wiggins, and uh, I, I can see a scenario in which those guys feel a little bit liberated now that Butler is gone. Um, that, obviously, if Butler is not there, I think that does hurt Minnesota's chances to, to get into the playoffs. They were already kind of out of it, but... Uh, you know Jimmy Butler being out of the conference is big for every team in the West, and I think it is, is big for Portland. So that is one piece of news that has kind of been the news that has been hanging over the league really for the last two months since Butler's trade demand went through. I know that some people wish that Portland had kind of gone in on it, but... Right now, I think if you're Portland, they're really riding a hot streak at this point, and you kind of want to keep it going. However, uh, there's some other news in the Western Conference, and it's not quite as exciting, but the Houston Rockets are reportedly seriously considering cutting ties with Carmelo Anthony after less than a month of games. And I'll give my opinion first here, and that's, that's from ESPN saying that Sources of telling ESPN that they think his time is done with the Rockets and then also players and coaches saying that they believe Melo has played his last game with the Rockets. Excuse me. So um, I don't think Portland is going to touch Carmelo Anthony if he becomes a free agent. Uh you know i think really they they like where they are right now portland's really playing well they don't really need another guy with the ball in his hands now that they finally found evan turner his role after 3 years it's taken them this long to get there i don't think they're going to mess it up at this point just to add a little name recognition and uh, we were for it a couple of years ago and i think maybe that was uh when it was kind of tough to see where portland would go uh but they have really taken a great jump to start the season. And they, I don't think they really need Mello. And I think frankly with the Rockets, I've watched a couple of their games. Mello actually didn't look terrible, but it could be a case where they want to find someone to kind of blame for all this. And Mello's the guy who wasn't there last year and they can kind of pass it off on him. And as far as Houston is concerned, no harm, and there's there's a lot of speculation about why that's happening. I don't know if I would really – I wouldn't go in that direction if I were Portland anymore. You really do have a young nucleus right there, and it feels like they don't need too much help leading the group. I think Dame and Evan Turner and CJ are all doing a really good job of leading this group, and right now where the NBA is – it's not just—it's not really a thing where you're going to be playing Carmelo Anthony and be like, okay, you're going to play and get 15 shots. It's just not going to happen. And that's, I think, what Melo needs to be a good player. And, uh, unfortunately, I just don't think that that role is here for him in Portland. And, frankly, I don't think it's really on any team at this point. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think Portland's going to touch Carmelo Anthony. I, I, I would not anticipate that. Anytime soon on the horizon, though, the Lakers, on the other hand, uh, might be a different story. Um, But you should go to read LeBron Wire to to learn more about the Lakers and Carmelo Anthony. Uh, Also, in this segment, we're talking about Yusuf Nurkic, and I talked about the hook shot that he had against Jalen Brown last night in the clutch moment, and really, he's been so much better in the area around the basket. He actually did a good job with lay-ins and ducks last year, but really where he had the most trouble last year, especially compared to other years in his career, is right outside that basket area from three to 10 feet. He shot 39% last year from that spot after shooting 45 the year before. And it was, it was really a struggle for him. Last year, he was one of the worst shooters in the league playing his position. I mean, it's not an exaggeration. And so far this season, from 3 to 10 feet, according to basketball reference, he's shooting 60%. Uh, it's hard to see if that's going to hold. But I, I have to give him credit for when he makes those catches now. He takes a beat, he takes a dribble, he sets up, and he uses his space and he uses his, his, his width and his frame and his strength, which he's still one of the heaviest guys in the league even though he lost a bunch of weight. He's still one of the heaviest, biggest guys, toughest guys to guard in terms of just moving his weight around. And he's been more patient with that instead of doing those kind of flailing floaters, those runners in the lane, which never went in. And now he's kind of taking his time. He's going with a a little bit more of a fundamental hook shot. He's using his feet. I mean, it's it's all the type of stuff that we did not see last year. I know that one of the the biggest pet peeves with Nurkic last year was that he wouldn't dunk. But now we're seeing that maybe one of the things we should have been saying is like, just set your feet, just post up, you know, not, don't take a long time, but take a dribble, go up straight, use your body and your weight and, and, and use your size to get easy baskets. And, Zach Collins has been really good for the Blazers and has played in crunch time a lot of times, but sometimes you're gonna want Nurkic down there to finish, and he's a little he's more apt to take advantage of size mismatches, especially against super switchy teams like Boston is. And so you see how having a guy like Nurkic can counteract a team playing small ball. Obviously, it took some three-pointers from Aminu to get there, but you kind of see the vision of playing Nurkic out there in the last couple of minutes when if he has the ball down there on a smaller guy, whether it be Jalen Brown or say you're playing Golden State and it's Klay Thompson or, or someone like that, that he can actually score in, and it's actually an advantage. It really truly is a mismatch. And sometimes teams get in trouble chasing mismatches when they aren't there, but With Nurkic out there, the size mismatch is undeniable, and he's really taken advantage of that. Another statistic where we can really, I think, illustrate how much Nurkic has improved this season, according to cleaningtheglass.com, last year he was in the 15th percentile in points-per-shot attempt, and this season he's in the 49th percentile in points-per-shot attempt. So he's jumped up considerably relative to the league. No, he's not one of the best in the league he's not even in the top five in the league but he's taking such a leap from last year being by far one of the worst guys in the league at scoring when he talked when he took shots to now being somewhat respectable in that respect and that has made so much of a difference for Portland and obviously adding the shooters is a big help for Portland but definitely having Nurkic making shots around the rim. Also, he's making his free throws, as we said in the last episode, uh, shooting 78%. Uh, I think he's shooting even higher than that after last night. So Nurkic has been really good. And I know we've talked about Zach Collins a lot on this podcast, but Portland really does have a strong rotation right now at the center position. And it starts with Nurk, and you have to give him credit. And I think some people may have looked at the money and said, okay, I don't know. But, and it was also one of those situations where Portland kind of had to spend the money because they couldn't spend that money on other people because those other, you know, would be free agents aren't theirs. They wouldn't be able to sign them. And they went with Nurkic, and Nurkic is really rewarding that belief. I think also Damian Lillard deserves a lot of credit for uh, kind of being a mentor to Nurkic and, and kind of staying on him. And that, I think, has really. Coalesced into a better Nurk so far this year. And I think one of the, you know, it's going to be really interesting to see can he sustain this for the whole season. But as it stands right now, as the Blazers are 10 and 3, it's undeniable that Nurkic has had a major impact on that. And it's really been at both ends, which we couldn't say last year. So uh, we're going to come right back and we're going to talk about the Los Angeles Lakers and another matchup, the third one in the last month. Uh, so we'll be right back. And we're back here on Lockdown Blazers for our final segment of this episode, this Monday episode, this ten three episode of Lockdown Blazers. And Portland riding a four game win streak. As I mentioned, starting a six game road trip on Wednesday against the team in the West with the second longest win streak at three games, the Los Angeles Lakers. You know them, LeBron James. Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram. Uh, Their season has not been boring. Uh, Although you might not have seen much of them since the Blazers played them a couple of weeks ago at home where they beat Portland 114-110. They had a really crappy loss to Toronto where they went down by 30 points in the first quarter. Then they eked out a win against the Timberwolves. They beat down a tired Sacramento squad. And then they got one of the Weirdest and ugliest wins you'll ever see against the Atlanta Hawks uh, last night. So this this Lakers team is is obviously very talented. They have LeBron. That, that that is a huge deal. They also added Tyson Chandler, who has helped them win two out of the last three games with huge plays, uh, offensive rebounds against Minnesota and then Atlanta. He blocked Trey Young on what would have been a game winner. So. That is something that you're going to have to adjust to and I think is going to be a difference in this one between the benches is the Lakers having Chandler down the stretch as and down the stretch and off the bench as a a real defensive anchor. I know some people thought that the backup big for the Lakers played well in the last game. I wasn't really sold on it because Collins kind of scored and went around him almost every time when he did play. And. I don't think it's going to be as easy for Collins against Chandler, who is just a much better defender. One of the best defenders, especially at the center position, that the league has ever seen. Uh, even if he might not, you know, be a Hall of Famer or anything, he he was really one of the better rim protectors that you know, at his peak, that we the league has ever seen. And he can still bring that effort on a night-to-night basis, especially in limited minutes. And that's going to be something for Portland to watch. Portland's bench killed them in the first game. In the second game, the Lakers' bench actually killed them. So the battle of the benches is really de- Decided these last two matchups So I think it's going to be really important Once again uh, Rajon Rondo had 17-10 When the Lakers were here last On November 3rd And Luke Walton has kind of gone back and forth Between letting Lonzo play the final stretch And letting Rondo play the final stretch There's really no uh, set Parameters there on who starts I think a guy that obviously is going to play a big part For this Lakers team is going to be Josh Hart He Played some power forward against the Blazers. He also can knock down threes. He's got good guard skills. So that's going to be tough. And Portland on the road in L.A. Obviously, L.A., great place, great nightlife. Obviously, I don't think Portland's going to you know succumb to that. But, you know, you never know. And uh, it is the start of a road trip, though. So uh, th- this is going to be a long, long trip. But I do think that this Lakers team is going to be looking much better than they did on Sunday. I just don't anticipate them looking as bad as they did against Atlanta. They know Portland is on a roll right now. Portland is going to be second in the league when they come in there. And I believe that game is going to be on ESPN. So there's a lot of, of things there pointing to the Lakers trying to make a statement in this one. And frankly, Portland also, uh, if they get this game, get a win against the Lakers on the road and, you know at least secure themselves a tie of the season series that would be big and then also would be their fifth straight win heading into this long road trip so it would be a really nice start for portland if they can get a win the lakers defense it has improved with tyson chandler um i there's some other things though that haven't really changed i think The Lakers are going to try and post Brandon Ingram up on Dame and CJ a lot at the elbow. Once again, that was a look that they went to a lot on November 3rd. And to the credit of Portland's guards, Dame and CJ really didn't let Ingram score on them. So I'm going to be watching out for that. I think that's going to tell us a lot about this matchup, whether Ingram can kind of go to work and take advantage of that mismatch. And as far as LeBron, obviously we're going to see a lot of Aminu on him, a lot of Evan Turner on him. And I think that's really all we need to look for. You guys know this Lakers team. We've seen them twice in the first month of the season. This is going to be the third time we've seen them in the first month of the season. And then they don't play again until March, I believe. So, uh, or no, they don't play again until the last game of the season. So, uh, Really, really interesting stuff with this Lakers team. It's never boring, that's for sure. So it's definitely going to probably be a dramatic game into the last few minutes. And I think the benches are going to really play a big role in this one again. So that's really all I've got for this edition of Locked On Blazers. The Blazers are 10-3, second place in the Western Conference, and they're starting a six-game road trip with the Lakers on Wednesday. Then they hit to Minnesota, Washington, New York, Milwaukee, and they close it out with Golden State on Black Friday. So uh, that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Blazers. Please subscribe, tell your friends, leave us a review, and we will be back with you after Wednesday's game against the Los Angeles Lakers.